We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace with the Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, whatever time you just so happen to be listening to this podcast today. Thank you for coming on to another episode of Peace with the Process. I am your host, Mr. Blake Gann. And today, we have a very awesome guest. All of our guests are pretty awesome because they're giving us their origin story, their backstory, and they're sharing with us uh, some vulnerable moments of their lives to allow us the amazing ability to listen in to other people's successes and failures so that we can take lessons from what they've gone through in life and learn from them ourselves so that we don't repeat uh, their mistakes and so that we can find ways to incorporate maybe some of the things that they've done to find success. Well, today I... I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Michael Levitt, who is going to talk with us about burnout. Now, you all know I've had a personal experience with burnout in my own life. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're a growth-driven individual, someone who just, you're always looking to continue your growth. So there's always something we're cranking up a notch. There's always something we're looking at the next opportunity to see what we can do to further ourselves, our projects, our relationships, uh, you know, our wealth and our health. So there's always opportunities for our focus to inadvertently fall onto something that takes priority. And it's a balancing, it's a balancing act throughout life. Well, we're going to talk with Michael today about burnout. And we're going to talk about some of his publications as well. You know, I let him tell his origin story, so I'm not going to go into too much of his background. I just want to thank everybody for being on today's podcast with us. And if you have given us a rating and review, I want to personally thank you for doing so. You took time out of your day to write up a thought-out word for your review or just to give some thought into how many stars you think this podcast deserves on a scale of one to five. And I am very happy to say everyone believes that this podcast is a five-star podcast. Thank you so much, every one of you who have uh, put that rating on there and uh, who have taken time to write those reviews. If you haven't done so and you would like to do so, take this as your opportunity to put this podcast on pause and head over to wherever, whatever platform you're on. If there's a section to give a rating or review, I would sincerely appreciate it. If you don't have the option to give a rating and review on the platform that you listen on, then uh, consider heading over to Apple uh, Podcasts and leaving a rating and review over there. It's all very much appreciated. Or if you just want to reach out to me and say, hey, man, I appreciate what you got going on. I love hearing people reach out and say that they have benefited from what this podcast has done for them. 
it's truly amazing to be able to impact people's lives just by simply having conversations with amazing guests. So without further ado, here is our guest for the day, Mr. Michael Levitt. All right, Michael, I'm glad to have you on today. How are things up in Toronto? Things are great. Great to be on the show today. Awesome, man. It's glad to have you here. So you've got an area of expertise that I believe our viewers are definitely going to benefit from. And, uh, you know, that's, that's burnout because what we talk about here is ways that we can grow ways that we can continue our growth in a healthy way. Well, one of the biggest reasons why I started peace with the process, um, and many of our listeners know is because I experienced burnout at a point in my life, uh, found my way of overcoming it, but I'm very interested to hear some of your ways, some of your, uh, your research that you've done and, and ways that you help people as well. But before we dive into all of that, I'd love to hear your origin story. I love hearing everyone's orange origin story because there's always lessons to be learned in there. Tell us how you came about this. Yeah, it happened. You know, origin story goes way back. I'm not going to go back to the beginning, but I will go to 2007. Um, I had uh, started as a brand new healthcare executive for a healthcare organization just outside of Windsor, Ontario, Canada, across the border from Detroit. I'm a dual citizen originally from the Detroit area and immigrated to Canada in 2004 and then started in this new role in 2007. It was a startup healthcare organization and I'd never worked in healthcare before. I'd worked for other startups, but never in healthcare. So that required a big learning curve for me to overcome because uh, I had to recruit physicians and hire staff and work with government funders on healthcare and educate the community why our clinic was better than the other clinics that were already in town. That required a lot of hours and being growth and driven and a type A personality, I put everything into it and was working basically 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven days a week for a good two years. And that came to a crashing halt of May of 2009, where over a period of 369 days from May 2009 to May 2010, I had a heart attack that should have killed me. I lost my job during the Great Recession. My car was repossessed and my home was foreclosed all in a year. And all those things happened because I was burned out. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating right. Uh, I wasn't taking breaks. I wasn't doing things in life that I enjoyed doing because I was too fatigued and tired and bogged down with work that I quit doing things that I really enjoyed doing and did that over a period of two years. And it all came to a crashing halt. And when you're laying in a hospital bed, and the cardiologist is about to put stents in your left interior descending artery, which is nicknamed the widow maker. Cause when you have a heart attack with blockages in that artery, you tend to die. And thankfully I didn't, but that cardiologist looked me in the eye and he said, you don't know how lucky you are to be alive right now. And that was the beginning of my, what I like to call my year of worst case scenarios. And it gave me an opportunity to reset which I felt that I needed to do because the path and the life that I was living was not sustainable. I'm very fortunate to be alive. And I realized if I want to stay alive, what am I going to do? And for me, it involved a lot of deep looking into myself, looking at my behaviors, my thoughts, my habits, all the things that led up to all those things to figure out, okay, why did this happen? I know how I burned out after time, but I needed to know why, you know, what were my decisions? Why did I get into that? And that's where the burnout story 
started, quite frankly, because after I discovered I had the burnout and figure out a way to never burn out again, because for me, it was once and that was enough. Uh, I didn't want it to have it happen again. So I decided, okay, what do I need to do to prevent it? And that's when I did a lot of research and self-reflection and started implementing some things in my life to make sure that I wouldn't burn out again. And from there, that's basically when my organization was birthed and the burnout work that I do was birthed because after doing all that work on myself, I looked around and I started realizing there's a lot of people around me that are burning out as well uh, in the healthcare sector first. And then I started looking around in different years and realized this is a bigger problem than I thought and decided, okay, I need to do something about this. I need to share what I've learned to hopefully help people uh, prevent their own year of worst case scenarios. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing lead up to, um, to creating something that I find, I do find that a lot of times the things that we are most passionate about, there's always, there's always something in our past that led to this being such a, a huge passion. Um, and it's, it's very unfortunate that sometimes that, that, that passion is a, uh, is a, is a big health scare and something very, very frightening like that. But out of, um, out of seemingly horrible things, great things are birthed. So I'm very excited to, uh, to get down to, uh, to some of the, the principles that you, that you talk about. But first, I want to I hear, so Breakfast Leadership Network is, uh, is the name of your network that you got. So why, why Breakfast Leadership? I've been a leadership junkie for a long time, and it, it really started to grow. I was a leader, obviously, before my year of worst case scenarios. But from the time afterward, I spent a lot of time reading and studying different leaders because I wanted to learn how to lead without burning out. And I read a lot of leadership books on how to lead, you know, empower your people, you know, all kinds of different things. And I wasn't finding a lot of books on how to lead, but not burn out because I was seeing a lot of the habits that these leadership books would display. And I said, unless you've got proper boundaries around this, you could go right down the same path you did before, although a little bit different. So the breakfast leadership name came from one leadership junkie into the breakfast component of it has a couple of meanings. Number one, I find in working with executives and senior leaders and organizations, if you can get their attention first thing in the morning, then you'll have access to them. Their mind is still refreshed because they haven't got into the trenches of the day-to-day -day operations of their organizations. And that was one of the reasons why I came up with the name. And secondly, it's my favorite meal of the day. I love breakfast. So I figured if I'm going to name a company that's mine, I might as well pick a name that I like. So that's the name kind of stuck with that. So um, I'm thankful to have you know come up with it. It was one of those shower moments in time where you think, oh, that'd be a good name for the company because I didn't know what I wanted to call it. I didn't want to call it Michael Levitt Consulting, even though I had an organization with that name. Uh, I thought I could do that. I was like, well, that's not really what I want. I want to give it something a little bit different. And you know, that's where the name came about. And I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's good. It's, you know, I've got it, you know, trademarked. So, you know, all that good stuff is covered and all of that, because it was one of those things that just jumped out. And I thought, this is a good name. I like this. I can, I can live with this name. So that's where the name came about. Nice. No, I really like that. And I, there's a lot of truth to that. I have most of my, uh, my client calls early in the morning cause I'm refreshed and I'm, I'm ready to go and it helps, uh, 
get a lot of those concepts discussed first thing in the morning because right. you know that's that's when you're going to carry those principles you talked about through the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So great. So I've heard you mention it two times now, which is your year of worst case scenarios. And I see you've got a book for that as well. I think it's 369 days, how to survive. And then it's a year of worst case scenarios. Tell us a little bit about that. That book it came to me in a, it was kind of accidental at first uh, because I thought, especially when I was launching the business and getting everything ready to go, it's like, well, I need to share my story because I think it does create a bit of impact. Um, Maybe it alarms some people, maybe it shakes them a little bit and go, Oh, wait a minute. I'm seeing myself and what happened to Michael and he survived it. What do I need to do to survive it? So there was a lot of intent with that, but originally it was, I needed to go back and revisit that time because after I recovered from all of that and, and basically replaced everything that was lost and new location, new job, you know, all the stuff that happened and started rebuilding my life. You know, there was several years that, that went on, you know, a good five to six years. And I thought, okay, I need to go back and look at that, you know, with a fresh set of eyes in a non-judgmental way, because we are horrible to ourselves when we're going through things. So I went into the exercise as an approach of, okay, curiosity. So I started writing about it and, and just putting in, you know, and I didn't write it chronologically, you know, it was more of a, okay, what do I want to write about today? What aspect of things do I want to cover? So each of those, you know, losses, you know, are covered in the book and, you know, I wrote those things. And then, you know, the last chapter was actually the car repossession. You know, I, that, that was the last chapter that I wrote and that chapter was the hardest to write. Now you're thinking, why would that one be so much harder than a heart attack that should have killed you or your job loss or home getting foreclosed? Why was the car such a big thing? And the reason why was it happened after I had relocated to Toronto because we were in Windsor and ended up uh, requiring a relocation to Toronto because that's where we could find work uh, during the Great Recession. Those jobs still up this way. So I was already up here working, but my family was still back in Windsor until you know, things got settled up here a little bit and we found a place to move and, and all that good stuff. So I was in my new role for a few weeks. And then it was a, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon. I don't remember the exact day, but it was a little after four o'clock and my oldest daughter who was 10 at the time called and she was crying and I couldn't understand a thing she said. And finally I was able to get from them that they had come in and towed away the family vehicle. And why that was so difficult was I wasn't there when that happened. All the other situations, I was fully present, but the car repossession, I wasn't in town for that. I was in Toronto. And that was a difficult time because I wasn't there to, not that I could have prevented it. You know, the bank had the right to take the vehicle. We weren't making payments because when you have a heart attack and you're on unemployment and you're taking medications to keep you alive that cost you over $1,000 a month with no drug coverage, you've got to make choices on how you spend your bills. Uh, so as difficult as it is, you know, I, I chose the let's continue living path, but that was a really difficult time. And that chapter was really hard to read. And I broke down in tears writing it and went back and, you know, edited a few times. And, but that was the toughest one, but writing that book was good for me to kind of heal and kind of close the door a bit on that situation and to celebrate where I was in life at that point, because in 
It came out in 2017. And at that point, life was really going well for me. Uh, it really turned a corner, successful. I was back in the healthcare industry doing great things, sitting on government panels. I was on a board of directors uh, that oversaw $2 billion of budget for a community. So I you know, really you know, came back and then some. So I was much better off than I was even back in 2009. But writing that book was such an instrumental part of launching everything that I've done with the podcast and the public speaking and the client work because it shows people one, a little bit of vulnerability, you know, it's like, okay, here I am, uh, you know, and for not to be gender specific, but it's often difficult for men to admit that they have failed. You know, it's not something that we see in society a lot um, where they publicly say, yeah, I've, I screwed up. Well, I did, you know, I screwed up big time and it nearly cost me my life and it did cost me a lot of things, um, but it was important for me to get that out there to, open the door and give people permission to kind of take a look at their lives and go, am I approaching that? And even now during this pandemic, I know there's a lot of people that are burning out and it scares me. It really does. And even early on last April when I'm, and I don't tend to watch the news too much because constant negativity consuming that is straight and gives you stress and can burn you out just from watching the news. But I happened to watch the news and I saw story and this was i think in pennsylvania where they showed this road and there were cars that lined up as far as you could see and these cars were all in line to get a couple bags of groceries and that hit me really hard and I'm, at first i'm like why am i feeling so emotional about this right now and of course i'm empathetic towards people that are struggling but it it acted as if that was happening to me now thankfully i'm not in that situation fridge is full of food Life is good. You know, all, all the things that you need in life are covered and then some, but it, it triggered me. And, it, it, and when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, it took me back to that time when I was going through everything and losing everything and not having a job and wondering how in the world are we going to cover all of these bills? And I know there, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that have been and may still be in that situation. And uh, I feel for them. And, uh, you know, you don't like to say, I know how you feel, but I, I can relate to, you know, some of those concerns and challenges. And it was, it was a wake up call for me uh, because that it, it took me off guard because I wasn't really sure why I was feeling that way because I wasn't in that situation, but seeing that it, it was basically a, a time machine and, and plopped me back to, to 2009 and 10, which was not a fun time for sure. Yeah. Again, I go right back to saying, you know, I don't think that the things that we go through in life happen for coincidence. I think that they're designed so that we start to create this heart for whatever it is we went through. We have a heart to relate to other people who go through the same things that we go through so that we can help them uh, with the knowledge that we gained through our experience. And, and that's a, that's an amazing uh, example of that. And to do that through a book, as well as to do it with everything else that you do as well. So you can take that relativity and give them specific examples uh, and relate to them in that way and kind of share your story and your overcoming. And then to get even more specific, which uh, you actually have two books out on the topic, which is uh, the burnout itself. And you've got uh, one book titled burnout, how you entered 
uh, the paths to burnout and how to choose a different way. And then your most recent book, which is Burnout Proof. So tell us a little bit about these and some things that uh, we can learn from these publications. Yeah, both books. The first one um, is a real short book that I threw together and put it on Amazon. You know, if you have a Kindle, you can get it. Uh, the purpose of that one was I wanted to get something out based on what I was seeing in the world. And that was released before the pandemic. It was just real quick tips on, okay, here's how to identify you're burning out. Here's some things you can do to stop it in its tracks. The deeper work, of course, is figuring out why you burned out so you don't make those same mistakes again and choices. And one of the things that I say a lot, and it irritates people at first because they take it the wrong way, is I say burnout is a choice. And of course, no one chooses to burn out but your choices and your behaviors and your habits and your thought patterns create the conditions where you can burn out. And that's what I mean by that. And the new book, Burnout Proof, goes into it a little bit deeper. And it came from, and this is an image that I shared on social media a while back, where I took the word burnout and each letter, you know, I had an associated thing to it. So B and burnouts for boundaries. U and burnout is for unhappy, R is for rhythm, N is for neglect, because we neglect ourselves when we're burning ourselves out. O is for offside, so sport, you know, analogy on things, and you know, people that are burned out are definitely out of bounds in their life. Um, the other U is uh, upheaval, you know, your, your world is completely upside down when you're burned out, and then T is time. And I go into each of those things to talk about, you know, why boundaries are so critical uh, to prevent yourself from burning out because that's the thing that a lot of us have is we have a lack of boundaries when it comes to when we work, how we work. Um, if we're type A driven personality like I am, you put in those 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven day a week work because you're trying to prove something. And I had to go back and figure out, okay, why is this important to me? Why do I need to be a strong healthcare executive that's working all of those hours? what happens if I just work an eight hour shift or maybe a five hour shift and actually just deep work on the things that only I can do and delegate things. Cause I was horrible at delegation before. Now the pendulum has swung the other way. And uh, my last assistant said, you need to get a little bit closer to the middle because you should probably do something. I said, well, I am doing something. I'm <laughs> delegating all the work that I'm doing. Well, literally <laughs> Anything that landed on my desk, my first question is, okay, who besides me could work on this? And if I came up with a name, I would say, oh, I'm going to assign it to them. Now, of course, I've modified that to what else have I assigned to that person? Because I don't want to burn them out. That'd be rude. Um, and again, that's from a leadership standpoint, too, where a lot of organizations that have people that are burning out, look to your leadership. What is the activity of your leadership team? Are they creating those situations where the employees feel that they have to work a lot of hours because those executives are working a lot of hours? So they're like, well, we got to do that. Or the big thing that we've seen during this pandemic with working remotely is a lot of people have been working a lot more hours because they're afraid that if they don't appear to be working while they're home and they could be slacking off. So a lot of people have been working longer hours to prove that they're working. And it brings to light, you know, a big problem that we have in office settings and not to get on a soapbox is that eight hour shift thing that came along with Henry Ford and the assembly line. 
not applicable in an office situation. Most of our jobs are task driven. They're not based on an hour time. It's like, you're a graphic designer. You design graphics. You work on different projects. Here's the project. Here's when it's due. Here's the resources. Go do it. If you get it done in three hours, awesome. If it takes you eight hours, okay. But what happens is we, we've assigned all of our work to this time block and people will stretch that out to fill in the time or group some things together. So they're working on some things in there. And it, it takes away from creativity when you have that type of restriction, because if you're really good at what you do, which most people are good at what they do, you get rewarded with more work. And next thing you know, you're overwhelmed with the amount of work that you're doing instead of having some elbow room in your day to be creative, to stare at the wall and say, hey, I just came up with a new concept of something that's similar to what we're working on that could actually benefit us and we can approach a different market. A lot of employees have that skill within them, but they don't get the opportunity to actually do that because they're just working and grinding so long. So that's one big thing that I've noticed during this pandemic is a lot of people have been working longer hours to prove that they're actually working and then toss in the fact that so many of us became full-time school teachers as well uh, because the kids were home from school and trying to navigate all of that. And our spouses or partners are also home and our dogs are wondering why are we still here? You know, it's all of these things that have kind of been a, you know, a big upheaval. So the book talks about that. And actually the book was supposed to be released last year. It was ready to go. I had it ready in February of 2020. And of course the pandemic hit and I'm like, well, I'm going to hold off on this because one bookstores are closed and two, like, let's see what happens with this. And as time went on, I recognized, okay, there's a lot of people burning out because they're working from home. Everyone that never worked remotely before dreamed of it. They're like, oh, I would love to be able to work remotely, work from home because I could do my laundry during the week. I could do this, get this done, easier pace. And for some, they've been able to do that. And, but for many, they haven't been. So I thought the book's not done. I need to go back and write something about working from home burnout. And I added that chapter in uh, because it's so timely for what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, I think I was one of the fortunate ones. I didn't experience much of that, mostly because I kind of had my, my burnout um, experience and, you know, sort of realization on what I needed to do to, to make shifts and, and doing that before I ended up working from home. But I have definitely heard it uh, from many people who um, weren't quite ready for the change. Um I supervise a sales office. So I've still got people within the office who have gone remote who say the same thing. And some just recently with the new wave who got sent home, uh, who were hanging out in there for quite a while. So I am, uh, you know, checking in with those guys to make sure that, uh, they're handling that flow. So give us a couple of, uh, a couple of concepts, uh, from people that are working from home, you know, what are a couple of things that they can do to check in and make sure that they're not following that path to burnout? Yeah, key thing is just establishing boundaries around when you work and when you don't. Um, before, when we would go into an office or go to a workplace, we had time blocks. So we had the time in the morning where we would get up, get ready, and then commute to work and then work and have our breaks and lunch breaks and then go home and then the commute back home. And there's there was separation. Well, now your work and your home are the same place. And 
depending on how you live, where you live, you may or may not have space to have a physically separate place just for work. You know, some people, if they live in apartments or condo buildings, you know, they may not have a separate room where they can go. So you need to establish boundaries of when you're working and when you don't and communicate that with your employer. And as a leader, you want to communicate that with your staff, because unless you directly tell them work this to this, they're just going to work when they do. And of course, they, you have to have some flexibility in that, because again, if you're a parent and you are homeschooling your kid or guiding them through the online education, sure that they're actually doing their work and you know playing on their Xbox or PS5 or something, then you've got that. And that's not a normal situation you're dealing with during the day if, if they're in school. So establish those boundaries. Secondly, a key thing for so many people that burn out is they stop doing things in life that they enjoy doing. Now, I know during this pandemic, there's been a lot of things that we haven't been able to do, like going to concerts, maybe go you know, sit in a restaurant, for example, depending on where you are, and all kinds of other things that we normally get to do and we haven't been able to very much, again, depending on where you live. Some areas have more restrictions than others, but there's still a lot of things that you can do. Uh, for me, I'm very fortunate. I live really close to a nature trail. So I go there all the time and you know, it's walking distance, literally, you know, 10 minutes I'm you know, from a, a concrete jungle, condo building, big mall across the street, all these things, you know, cars going by freeways real close to walking by this river where there's ducks, you know, floating around and doing things and birds and all that. And you, you, you forget so, and you get away from nature and I don't bring my phone or if I do, it's off. So I go there to re-energize. That's something that I enjoy. It doesn't cost me anything other than my time. I can do it during the pandemic. Uh, the same thing, you can go for a walk, you can go for a bike ride, uh, you can go for a drive, you can get some coffee. If you wanna meet up a friend, I see a ton of people doing this where they both drive and they park far away and they talk to each other from a distance. So they're still hanging out with their friends. So an exercise I have people do, whether it's at a talk or if I'm working with clients, is I have people list out all these things in life that they enjoy doing and, you know, be as robust as possible. And they can be big, like going on vacations, or it can be small, like going to have coffee or drinks with your friend and list all of those things. And then next to them, write down the last time you did all of them. And I, every time I do this, I get moans and groans because people realize they're not doing things in life that they enjoy doing. And I, of course, will pick on them and ask them why. And of course, the common answer is I don't have time. Now, if they have an iPhone, I'm going to pick on them. I have an iPhone, so that's why I pick on them. Um, I don't pick on people that have Androids. Um, I used to have an Android. I love those devices too. But I'll say, can you go into your screen time for a moment, please? And I'll look and see what their average screen time is. And it tends to be in the hours. And I'll look at their list. And there's always something on the list that would take maybe half an hour or maybe an hour to do. And I'll say, okay, of the five and a half hours a day that you average on your phone, do you think you could carve out a half an hour to do that? And they say, yes. It's like, okay, go, do you use your, your phone for your calendar as well? Yep. It's like, okay, let's go in the calendar. Let's go out 10 days. Let's find a half an hour or an hour on that calendar. Book the appointment to do that. And don't, don't cancel that meeting. That is the most important meeting you've ever had with the boss of your life because the boss of your life is you. You got to stop 
kicking to the curb your self-care. And when I say self-care, a lot of people think, okay, yoga, meditation, moments of Zen, that kind of stuff, which is true. You can do that, but doing things in life that you enjoy doing, like going to grab a cup of coffee or going for a walk or talking to a friend or doing whatever, playing games, that's self-care because it's something you do that's in for your own benefit. You enjoy it. So schedule it. I know it sounds simple and crazy. It's like, why would I schedule, you know, playing on my PS5 or my Xbox or going for a walk because what gets scheduled gets done. We try to squeeze it in between work appointments. And the problem with work is work loves to expand and find time. If they see, Ooh, there's 20 minutes there. Work will go. I'm going to take that up where if you block off and schedule the self-care exercises, two or three a week is all it takes and don't book work around it. You're going to do those things. You're going to feel better. You won't be stressed as much, which means you won't burn out because prolonged stress turns into burnout. Burnout doesn't happen overnight. If it did, we would just come up with some kind of medication and be done with it. But it takes time to build up. And if you don't have prolonged stress, you won't burn out. And a way to avoid prolonged stress is doing things in life you like doing. And there's plenty of things we can still do, even in this pandemic. Now, of course, once this is all over and we can go out and do a lot of things, I'm really hoping that you know the mood of people will be a lot better. However, I think there's still going to be a lot of trauma from what has transpired with this pandemic. And that's a big concern of mine as well and a completely different conversation. But at the end of the day, my hope is that people will you know, embrace and start doing those things that they haven't been able to do uh, and really enjoy it and, and, and not take it for granted because obviously we haven't been able to do a lot of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I can attest to that because I have to make sure that I time block out my, uh, my coffee in the mornings. And even though I may be doing some, some daily planning or whatever, if I was doing that here at the house, you know, while sitting on the couch or sitting at the desk that I have, uh, it would be a whole different feeling. It would be more work than it would be some enjoyment because I can go to the coffee shop. I can talk with some of the people there um, and enjoy the cup of coffee, obviously. Um, and then another thing, you know, is, uh, for me, it was sunrises. So you talk about, you take a, a, a nice little nature walk. Well, me, I get up early on the weekend so that I can go watch the sun come up in the morning. So no, I, I think that's, that's absolutely true. Making sure that we're spending enough time, uh, on some activities for ourselves on a consistent basis, not, not just to reward ourselves, uh, for a job well done, but to consistently allow us to do a job well done. I love that. That's great that you do that. And I'm fortunate that uh, where I live in Toronto, uh, my window is east facing. So this, I can see the sun rises in the morning and I can see the downtown Toronto skyline from where I live. So it's, it, it's, it's a pretty vivid sunrise when, when we actually get sun, uh, which we do today, ironically, which is like, oh, it's sunny in the winter in Toronto. Who knew? Uh, but it's like, but it's again, one of those things like, oh, good, real vitamin D instead of the, you know, the 5,000 milligrams that I take every day just to make sure that I'm getting enough of it. You know, and I, I recommend, you know, work with your medical provider. But what I've talked, you know, completely side note, you know, my, my doctor said, you know, a lot of people 
are vitamin D deficient. But again, work with your medical provider to find the right dose for you. Don't just start taking 5,000 because I do it. It's like, work with them. I don't want you uh, ODing on vitamin D or anything like that. <laughs> no, that's good. I like that. And no, little tangents and and, uh, and and soapboxes are always welcome because that's where, I mean, that's that's where your current interests lie or that's where uh, that's where your passions are driven. And I love to hear those, those different topics. So the things that you see in people's, um, you know, path to burnout for working from home, I assume there's some similarities, but also some differences when we're talking about people who are perhaps transitioning from the, um, from the eight to five lifestyle to the entrepreneurial lifestyle, you know, this, this one that we both agree, uh, the task driven lifestyle where you become your own boss and you start to realize man, this doesn't all fit into hours in a day. It's really just tasks that I need to get done. And if I don't get them done, they stack up. If I do get them done, then I end up with a day full of what I think to be free time, but can add things to it. What are, what are some of your uh, insights for people on that journey? Yeah, delegating is something that a lot of people um, aren't good at, especially if they're new. You know, you know, their focus, of course, is revenue and wanting to bring in money because they're running a business and you know watching the bottom line is is important that's how businesses survive and grow and and last but a common mistake i see a lot of entrepreneurs doing is they get bogged down in the things that they're really not good at and they don't like doing and the sooner you can delegate those things out uh, to you know vendors or you know there's a ton of online resources to delegate a lot of different things the sooner you do that the better because then it gets your focus on working on what only you can do. And, and that's, that's important because, you know, even for me, you know, from my original career was accounting and I did that for several years, an auditor worked at a CPA firm was CFO, all that stuff. Can't stand it. It's I, I used to love it. That was my career. That's what I wanted to do in life. I did it. And now it's like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Same thing with IT. I was CIO for organizations and did a bunch of IT stuff, you know, worked in data centers and all, you know, rode the dot-com era until that blew up in 2000 and, and, and went, Ooh, I better go back to counting beans. I know I can do that still, but even that kind of stuff, it's like, I don't like dealing with that because I did it. And there was, a, you know, I was decent at it, but I don't want to do it anymore. So anything like that. I just, I just delegate them. Like it's worth it to me to not have the headache of dealing with that. So figure out what those things are that you don't like and and start looking at opportunities to delegate that because there's an entrepreneur that loves doing that work. And that's when you start working on those things. Secondly is, I joke all the time where it's like, yeah, you trade your, your nine to five for a nine to nine type of thing or a nine to 11. It's like, wait a minute, that wasn't what I was trying to do. It's like, no, but yeah, it's a side effect of it. Oftentimes you got to focus on what you want to do and, and, and break it up into manageable tasks. Yes. We all want our businesses to be successful from day one. Rare does that happen? You know, we, we think about Amazon, for example. I mean, how long did it take Amazon to make a profit? Well, they have no problem doing that now, but they struggled for a long time. And, you know, that's a monster type of organization, but even a small business takes time because you got to get clients and, and do the work and, and kind of fumble around with becoming efficient because, even for those of us that have worked in startups and worked in a lot of different arenas and all of that, there's still a lot of things 
that we're not good at or we don't know enough to figure out. You know, for me, of course, you know, being an accountant back in the day, I picked on people in marketing and advertising. And I, I said, all you guys are doing, you're spending all our money. It's like, yeah, you're not, there's no benefit to you. Boy, was I wrong because that was a huge, <laughs> huge learning curve for me when launching a business. I'm like branding, marketing. Oh, that department. Okay. And he did a lot of research and studying and, you know, worked with people that were good at that going, okay, how do I do this? And, you know, they handed off a lot of it and it makes a lot of sense to do that because you know, it's not an area of interest, but it's definitely an area that I feel very bad about not spending more time with it because I think it would have helped having a better understanding. Doesn't mean I was going to do the work, but I think it would have made things a little bit easier, at least in the early days. So figure out what you're good at and figure out what you're lousy at and do your best to offload the things that you're lousy at because that can drag you down because you're beating yourself up going, oh, I don't want to do this. And it takes you away the energy of an excitement of running a business because it, it's exhilarating. But again, you have to have some boundaries around that because otherwise you can work like crazy, put in a ton of hours. Business is finally starting to be successful and you're too fatigued and tired to enjoy it. And it kind of you know, stalls out and you may throw in the towel a little bit too early because you just don't have the energy to be able to do what you need to do uh, to grow the business. And that's, that's a common thing that I see with a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when a lot of the, uh, the entrepreneurial ventures that people are taking on, they themselves are kind of the face of it. And if, just like you say, if they're caught up in everything and they go to do a video that they got to do, or they go to do a presentation or they go to do a speaking uh, opportunity or, or anything, go to meet somebody as the face of the business that they've been doing. Nobody wants to see somebody who's, uh, who's just look like they've been run ragged. Uh, right. you know, they they want to see someone who's, you know, been able to keep themselves held together at least a little bit. Um, and at the very least they, you know, they want someone who has some enthusiasm about what they do. If you've been right. drained to bits, your enthusiasm has already been poured into everything behind the scenes and the other side of the curtain doesn't get it all. Exactly. Well, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago about your sales team. And right now, I in you know, a client that I did some work with last year, you know, oversaw a ton of uh, salespeople in the insurance industry. And you know, they brought me in to work with the sales team because uh, this working remotely and not being able to go to places was really impacting their sales team. Their confidence level was dropping. And you know, good salespeople, they can sell water to the ocean. And it was a case of, you can still sell that water to the ocean. The approach is a little bit different. The tools you're using is a little bit different. Yes, you're not across a table from somebody or out at the country club or wherever you, you know, meet your clients, you're doing it virtually or over the phone. And yes, it's not as personal as it was, but you can still have your your personality and your character come through and still be able to do things you did. And, and it was a reminder of saying, you're still good at what you do. And that's a reminder, not just for salespeople, but for anybody that's working remotely now, you're still a great employee. You're still skilled at what you do. Yes, the tools and how you approach things a little bit different. Communication might be a little weird, but you know, by now, hopefully you've got all of that sorted out. But a big side effect of this pandemic is it did impact the confidence of people because they're like, 
how do I do this? Because it was so new for so many people. And once they were able to figure it out and, and find their rhythm, it's getting easier now with, again, with vaccines and everything else. My hope is over the next few months, much like a sunrise, we'll start to see the sunrise in, in this you know, darkness of this pandemic will start easing up and we'll start to be able to do more things and get out a little bit more. And if your employer is going to do a hybrid where you work remotely sometimes or in the office, sometimes you'll be able to do that and, and see your friends and your coworkers again, in person life, you know, real, real people uh, and, and be able to kind of, you know, rejuvenate that energy again, but it's, you know, it's been a difficult thing for a lot of people. And in, I'll be honest with you, when the pandemic started and everybody started working from home, my initial thought was that, you know, burnout was actually going to decrease because people were going to be at home and they could relax and go about it in a different pace. And unfortunately the opposite happened, you know, the, the hours that we work ended up being more than when we were back in the office and it's like, okay, that's not sustainable. That's not going to be good. And we've seen it, you know, time and time again with every industry is dealing with it and it's um, organizations can get ahead of it. Um, they just have to establish some boundaries around when their people work and when they don't and focus on what you need to work on right now and not try to work on everything. Cause you won't, you won't get everything done. Work on what's important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So what are your thoughts? Cause I'm not, I'm by no means a pessimist about how this is all going to end up. You know, obviously I, I believe, I believe it could go either way. We could, we could open things back up or, you know, there's the other side who has the argument of, Oh, well, this is the new normal. So what are your thoughts in terms of, um, you know, what, what level of, optimism versus pessimism should people have that may help them throughout this time you know because mm -hmm. you could have you could have this intense feeling of okay i've just got to work through all of this junk so that uh, i can get to the other side mm -hmm. or you've also got the uh I, i'll be straightforward and kind of call it the proactive approach and say okay if this is what it's going to look like for the a very long time you know, then here are some things I need to do, you know, so what are your thoughts between holding on to that and, you know, prepping for the here and now? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from the former uh, head coach of the Detroit Pistons, Chuck Daly. He also coached original dream team that won the Olympic gold back in, I think, 92. He had a quote. Um, and this was, this quote came about after a game where the Pistons, and this is when just before Jordan started winning everything in Chicago, it was the bad boys era and they were winning, you know, they won a couple championships and a really tough team to play. And there was one night where they played somebody that I forget who they played, but Detroit destroyed the team. I mean, they beat them by like 35 points in the final score. It could have been 60 points if they didn't lay off and all of that. So at the end of the game, they're doing the press conference and coach Daly is livid. He's upset. We didn't do this. We didn't do this. We didn't do this. And finally reporter said, Chuck, you beat them by 35 points. And he looked at him. He said, a pessimist is an optimist with experience. And I laughed at that quote. I'm like, cause he was a curmudgeon and it was like, never happy. He's like, 
we we gave up we we could have beat them by 60 we let up we let our guard down and they started coming back we shouldn't do that because there's going to be a game where we're up five points and we let up and we're going to lose that game and it was he was you know a lot of people like oh yeah we the team felt hey we great we crushed them and all of a sudden at the end of it it's like "Mm, uh oh coach is mad so corrected that behavior now to get back to your question Everyone, I think there's a lot of people that say, well, I want to get back to the way things were. The way things were aren't going to be the way things are going to be. We have changed. This is a change that will last from now on. What are those changes that will last from? I don't know. I don't know all of them. I would anticipate that you know, the barriers we see in grocery stores will be remaining. Um, I think there will be certain aspects of life that will be different. Um, I don't think there will necessarily be restrictions on restaurants or limiting the number of people. The masks, of course, I think eventually will go away um, and there'll be other things and all that. But from a work standpoint, there's going to be organizations that are going to, based on what they're saying, 100% remote going forward. And there's going to be organizations that are going to be hybrid and have a mixture of things. And um, there's going to be some that are going to say, everybody back to the office. And depending on what type of organization you're in and all the circumstances around that, those are some uncertainties. And that's one of the biggest challenges with this is there's still a lot of uncertainty. We don't know when we can take the masks off and go about our business. We don't know when certain things that are closed right now will reopen. We don't know those answers yet. We can look at trends, we can follow science, we can get guidance and see where things are. But as we see on the news, and again, I one side thing is I, I recommend people limit their news intake. Don't live in a cave, but limit it because it can wear down you pretty good. You know, with all the variants of the virus, we don't know this and this. And we're hearing all these things that are constantly getting bombarded on a daily basis. That's why I tell people, check in, see what the headlines are, check out and go back to living your life that you want to live. Being adaptable to how things are going and what you need to do is, is important. Um, the routines that we have may not be beneficial to us now. So figure out what you need to do to make your life easier. If that means, okay, I'm working remotely, I need a little bit different setup, maybe I need to move. You know, one of the biggest industries right now has been the housing industry. The housing sales are going crazy. And one sector that's definitely burning out, you know, every sector has it, but one sector that's really burning out is the mortgage industry. There are mortgage brokers that are working 17, 18 hour days to try to keep up with the paperwork of all the mortgage applications of people moving because this pandemic has created one, you can work remotely now and people are going, well, why am I living in this tiny condo building downtown when I can go out into the suburbs and have a yard and more room and all of that. So you're seeing a lot of people doing that and other people are going, Ooh, I've always wanted to live downtown. So they move there. And there's been a lot of things going on with that, but find the, to make it as easy as possible for you to do your job and work with your employer on that. Hopefully by now that's all been taken care of um, and, and focus on that and understand that we are still 
in the midst of this and there could be additional changes there could be additional restrictions there could be less restrictions it, it's it's up in the air and i know that gets really frustrating because we all want things to be resolved we are a society that's used to instant we're used to hitting a remote picking the movie we want to watch on netflix play done you know it's we didn't have to go to blockbuster to rent the video hopefully they had it plug it into the vcr wash through the commercials and finally get to the movie no now it's just like boop boop done and it's and within seconds we can do that so that's what's so frustrating about this pandemic is it's lasted longer than a few seconds i mean when it first happened everybody thought okay this will be done by june july they didn't mention what year but they said it's gonna be done everybody thought it'd be done in a couple months and we'd have the rest of the summer and go about our business <laughs> guess that didn't work out for us did it no so we got to we, you know, it's like hunker down and, and work what we need to do and do the things we need to do and, and understand that when we come out of this, that things may look different. We may not go back to the office full time because the employer may have said, you know what, we're going to save a ton of money on office rent and we're going to unload it. And I know many organizations that have already done that An organization that I help out with um, on their board. Um, one of the uh, board guys is an attorney and they've got two big downtown offices. They've closed them both. They've gone virtual. They're going to have one area in the suburbs of downtown Toronto where they have an office there. So if attorneys need to go and meet clients or things like that, they go there. So they're saving millions of dollars a year on office rent because like everybody's able to do it all virtually. Everything's in the cloud. All this stuff's there. So being adaptable and open to all the new things that were going to happen eventually probably and in talking with people in it they said the things that we're doing right now in 2020 and 2021 we're kind of on the roadmap for like 2030 maybe a little bit beyond that but because of what we had to do we fast forwarded 10 years on a lot of initiatives and we're going to see a lot of innovative things in the future on that as well so long story short accept what you can't change and don't fret about it. You can't change it. You know, do the things that are beneficial to you. Change the things that you can change that would be beneficial for you. Speak out on things that are, you know, frustrating. You know, work with people. Uh, if you need to talk to a therapist, there's plenty of them out there. Um, and 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 get and there's a lot of services that are online on your phone, all that kind of stuff, where you can talk with somebody and get help if there's a, a particular area that you're struggling with. Because I know a lot of people are not just with burnout, but just, you know, the trauma of all of this and, you know, get the help you need and, and keep focus, keep, you know, that list I had everybody list out all the things they like to do on that list, make sure there's things that you haven't been able to do right now because of the pandemic and look forward to that. I look forward going to a concert. I look forward to going to different places and getting on a plane and vacationing and, doing all the things that we all enjoy doing. We will get to do those things again, hopefully sooner than later. But when we get to, we're going to. And from an economic standpoint, hold on because the economy is going to be insanely booming at that point because we're all going to be out there spending money like there's no tomorrow because we haven't been able to in so long. So if you invest in stocks, invest accordingly on those industries that have been closed down for a while and, and now will open up because they're going to be slammed. They're going to be busy. Um, right. 
I'm not a stock investor. I don't tell you what to inspect. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get you in trouble. And I want the SEC calling you and saying, you know, we're, we're shutting down your show because you're getting stock tips. I didn't mention a single ticker. I'm talking about industries as a whole. So there, sure. throw in that disclaimer. <laughs> no, that's fine, man. And I, I do, I absolutely agree with that perspective. I definitely think uh, adaptability is key. Uh, I think one of the common uh, denominators, whether you're type A or type B change can often be scary, but uh, finding a way to to just embrace it. I, I used to keep a flow chart at my desk when I had a desk. Um, and uh, it, it got moved in the, in the move uh, to working from home, but it was a flow chart that said, um, do you have a problem? No. Then why worry? Do you have a problem? Can you fix it? If it's yes, then why worry? No. Then why worry? You know, so no matter which way it goes out, either you can fix it or you can't fix it. Either you can adapt with it or you can't adapt with it. Um, or there's nothing to adapt with. There's no need to worry at the end of the day. Um, I love that. We are coming down on some of the final minutes here for the show, but I definitely what I um, what I'm trying to get in a better habit of uh, asking all of my guests is what is a daily, weekly, monthly um, activity or task that you do mm-hmm. um, that helps you continue your growth? It can be burnout related in your your uh, your case, or it can be completely unrelated. Just whatever you think uh, someone else might benefit from. For me, um, and this is a, a tip that a good friend of mine, Virginia, taught me a couple years ago. Um, my calendar and I are, we, we go hand in hand. Um, other than oxygen, it's probably the most important thing in my life because it allows me to schedule and keep tabs on what I do. And a, a tweak that she taught me was, and the self-care time or the me time that I schedule, and I do that, it's on my calendar. And you can do this with a digital calendar, you know, whether it's a Google calendar or Apple, whatever, or even on a paper calendar was for your me time, your self-care time, color code that with your favorite color. So my favorite color is blue. So on my calendar, I use blue for self-care time or things that I enjoy doing, whether it's I could be watching, you know, a, a sporting event on TV or reading or, you know, the, the nature trail walk or, you know, walking around or going to get coffee or whatever. The reason why you color code it your favorite color, because your brain is triggered to recognize that color pretty quickly. So when you look at your calendar for this week or maybe last week or the next couple of weeks, if you don't see enough of your favorite color, you need to make some adjustments and you go, Ooh, this is a heavy week. Okay. What do I need to do? And like this week, you know, towards the end of this week has been, you know, pretty, pretty booked. So like, okay, early next week, what do I need to do? Do I have things that I can block off for additional self-care time? Yep. Okay. Boom. Blocked off. And it's in the color blue. Now, of course I can, you got to do this carefully. I can change that if something comes up that I feel is important, uh, a phone call or a meeting or speaking engagement or something like that. You, you have the flexibility. It's your schedule. But I do my best not to uh, because once you start giving up your self-care time, then you, you run into burning out. So for me, I like doing that because I can go back in time and see, okay, how much self-care have I done over the last couple of months? Uh, what do I need to do going ahead? let's go ahead six months. All right. Let's block off some time now, especially in, in times where you normally like, you know, going on vacation or doing different things, you know, block those things off. Um, and again, you can always adjust them if you need to, but do your best not to. And of course your meetings and phone calls and all the other things you may schedule, 
come up with a color coding system that works for you on that. And you can tell um, if you have a meeting heavy week or a lot of phone calls or a lot of podcast interviews or whatever the case may be. Um, that, that is definitely a tip that I, that I recommend. Another thing for me is I, each day I have a theme for each day of the week. So Mondays I do research on speaking engagements. Tuesdays I tend to do intro calls or follow-up calls. Wednesdays I record my show. And if I am on other shows, I, you know, if they have a Wednesday availability and it's not already filled with something else, then I go in there. Thursdays and Fridays, I don't schedule. I leave those days open for additional self-care time or like in this case, an opportunity to be on your show. It's like calendar's cleared because I don't book anything on those days until something comes up that's important to me and being on your show is important. So there it is. And by doing that, it gives me flexibility to know, okay, I know I, at the end of the week, I can have it more likely than not, it's going to be quiet and I've got some time to reflect and be creative or if something comes up that's pretty important like a really big speaking opportunity or a client call or something like that. I can say, I can talk to you Thursday at 1030 in the morning. Is that good? Or, you know, or maybe in the afternoon and people go, wow, you're available. You're so busy. I'm like, no, I'm not busy. I'm productive. I don't yeah. like saying I'm busy, but it took time for me to come up with that system for me, but it's made all the difference in the world because as long as they know what day it is in this working from home environment, a little more challenging than we thought, you know, there's something like, what day is it? Because um, I'm still here. It's like, it's, you know, you know, this day or that day or yesterday, we, you know, the, the names of the days have kind of blurred anymore. But for me, it's like, I, I get up, it's like, what's today, Thursday, my mind already knows what I'm typically going to be doing that day. And because I've been able to group those like-minded tasks, then I'm not zigzagging around to a bunch of different tasks because I've, I've set up themes for every day. So your brain doesn't have to do a hard left or a hard right all the time to shift between different things. And when you do that, it makes your days a lot easier. So that's kind of a behind the curtain scene of, of how I'm able to get what I get done uh, is because I've, I've scheduled it and coordinated to, to fit like-minded tasks. Absolutely. I love it. And it matches up so well with, uh, with what I've implemented in my own daily life. You talk awesome. about, you talk about color coding the Google calendar. Um, they don't have, cause it's Google calendar. So they have all these weird pastel colors. So they don't have my favorite color red. It's like tangerine. So I choose a, um, I think it's like banana, something yellow. It's my wife's favorite color, but I think about her. She's very type B. I'm like, yes, that's what I think of when I think of fun. I got something fun going on. I see banana go. all over my, all over my calendar. There I like go. that. And then I also like the, um, uh, the themed days, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are podcast days. That's when I do my recording podcasts and, and I've got a uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, it's uh, you know, article days or uh, something article or content related. So I love it. Everything that you're talking about is, uh, is amazing. It's things that I, uh, I use myself. Awesome. Uh, definitely listeners can definitely benefit from that. So we are at the end of the show, and it's been an amazing conversation. We've gotten into uh, some some great concepts for burnout. We've jumped onto a few other things that I think are amazing. Uh, where can everybody keep up with what you got going on and follow you uh, and what you have? Yeah, the best way to find me, uh, my website is breakfastleadership.com. My email is michael at breakfastleadership.com. I'm on most of the social media channels. Uh, you can look under the letter B and then fast leadership. Don't put that on a license plate. Uh, you'll get pulled over. I guarantee it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm usually active, pretty active on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. 
mostly, I mean, there's some stuff on Instagram. I share different images and whatnot, but those are the, you know, the main social media platforms that I'm on and, you know, happy to have a conversation because I know every organization has employees that are stressed and burned out. And I love having conversations with those teams to you know, give them guidance on, on what they can do because uh, happy employees are healthy employees and they do great things for the organization and the customers you serve. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Levitt. I always enjoy having a conversation with somebody who really gets zeroed in on time usage and being cognizant of our, you know, self time, our wealth time, health time. You know, I've, I've, I've talked about some of these, some of these different areas before. Michael obviously has it framed in ways that work best for his, uh, for his industry, for his area of expertise, but there are similarities whenever I get to talk with people like this and I love it. I absolutely do. Uh, you heard me there toward the end talking about the Google calendars as being a way to keep up with some of the different types of events you have and color coding them. Absolutely take advantage of that if you're trying to get a better hold on what you can do to get yourself a bit more organized. Whether you're working or whether you're just looking to do something to get more organized in your personal life, a calendar will help things move better. Now I know uh, when I was a single guy, I didn't have too much of a need for a calendar. There's pretty much not much going on outside of what I usually have. So I could pretty much keep it all stored in my head. But these days, a lot of, a lot of single guys, single ladies are, are juggling a whole lot of different things and it's easy to get things mixed up. It's easy to be focused on work when you're the sole provider of what you have and what you're, you, what you enjoy. So if you're single guy or gal and you're trying to keep up with rent for your uh, apartment as well as keep up with your car payment as well as keep up with your credit card payments etc chances are you're probably bogged down with a lot of work unless you have a really good job that pays you very well with minimum time spent toward that job but maybe that job is high stress so i don't want to get down into stereotyping is what i'm getting at you could be married single married with 50 kids or whatever you could have a very busy life. And I say one of the best places to start is with a calendar and setting up your events, uh, as Michael indicated there. If you are interested in diving into some of my favorite tools and tricks beyond the calendar, things that work very well with the calendar, I use Google Calendar. It's amazing. But I also have an article that you can read on my top six uh, time management tools. I believe that's the name of the article. I may have named it something a little bit different. But that's the gist of it. It's my top six tools because they all work very well together. And I've thoroughly enjoyed them with my business as well as with my personal life. So you can give that a, ch a check out. If you are signed up for the Insider's Access emails, then you will get the email sent to you as soon as this podcast releases. So if you're listening to it right now and you're signed up, you already have the email in your inbox. So if you're interested in listening to that article, just head over there. I'll put a link to that article because it matches up so well with our guest that we had on the show today. So give that a check out. If you're interested in getting set up with the uh, Insider's Access emails, head over to peacewiththeprocess.com and go down to the bottom and sign up for the Insider's Access emails. You can hear my dog running around with the squeaky toy. She picks the most amazing times to do so. 
my wife just is cracking up right now because she jumped off of her exercise ball to try to get the squeaky toy out of the dog's mouth before she made so much noise. Anyways, guys, you never know what's going to go on in life. You never know the things that are going to uh, that are going to happen. And sometimes it's best to not get too bogged down with having control over everything and just allow life to go the way it is. Can't keep that dog from running around. There's just nothing I can do about that. All right, guys. So get onto that Insider's Access email subscription. I will send that over to you for all of the tools, resources, gifts, promos, and things that we talked about on the show or didn't talk about on the show. Emailed it directly to you, to your inbox, so that you don't have to go scrounging around my website to check it out. Now, if you do feel like scrounging around my website and looking at some other things that you may have found interesting on today's episode, it is peacewiththeprocess.com. I do have an opportunity to work with me one-on-one to get yourself a bit more clear on what you value in life. Take that clarity and use that to find a better defined direction for your life. And then you are also going to use that clarity, that direction to lead you down a path to a most fulfilled lifestyle. Head over to my website, peacewiththeprocess.com. Click on create your peace. And in there, you will see a little description on what you and I can do together to give you the clarity, direction, and the momentum down the path to a most fulfilled lifestyle, what we can do together to get you there. So if you're interested, go and check that out. You can reach out to me on any of my socials, Facebook, Instagram, Peace With The Process is where I'm at. Blake Gann is my name. I will see you guys next time on the next episode of Peace With The Process. Take care.